on This Week in History with Paul Waite. And this is Paul Waite. I was a bit distracted then by my chum, Tina, who walked in with a letter for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so uh, welcome back. And this is the time of the show where a lot of you really enjoy it. And, of course, we've split it out into a, 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 its own little podcast now, haven't we, Drew? Oh, yeah. So you can get that on AstonWakeRadio.com <laughs> uh, forward slash podcast. First time you were irritating today with your oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> don't know what we're going to do with you when you say that in future. Oh, dear. Right. So, um I, I, I put a lot of effort into this week, and I'm afraid not a lot has happened. <laughs> not a lot happened over the last 10 million billion years. And, of course, before humans were around, there wasn't really anyone to tell us. So, um, you know, sort of primeval life forms and dinosaurs <laughs> can't really tell us what happened. Uh, hello, Mr. Triceratops. Oh, hello, Mr. <laughs> Brontosaurus. What's going on today? Oh, it's just been the general election for the Diplodocus. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. (laughs) I I think I need therapy. (laughs) Anyway, so kicking off today, um, one of the most famous English people of all time, forever associated with um, buccaneering and singeing the King of Spain's beard and being a fantastic sailor. So in 1580, Francis Drake, a son of Devon, son of Plymouth, I think, actually, um, he completed a round-the-world voyage on the Golden Hind. Um, it was obviously a, a magnificent achievement uh, for, what, 440 years ago. Mm. Um, it was an absolute legend, Francis Drake. Um, can you just imagine sailing all around the world that time, you know, in, wow. in, 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 at that time? So, an uh, absolute uh, hero of a man. So, um, yeah, respect to you, Francis, mate. Um, then in 1665, uh, we have a bit of a, an analogy with the current coronavirus uh, issue um, with... Um, the uh, Great Plague of London, which um, thank you, thank you, cousin Tina, and um, seven thousand one hundred and sixty-five people died in one week Ooh. in the Great Plague in sixteen sixty-five. This was a year before the Great Fire of London. Wow. Of course, one of the good things about the Great Fire of London is it it cleansed the, the London, London in those days was an amazingly dirty, mm. shitty place. I mean, literally, people peed out the windows and threw their sh- you know excrement out onto the streets and rats were everywhere there was cholera in the water mm. i know you're laughing it's not very nice can you imagine if you were you probably any little peasants at the time your family i <laughs> swear <laughs> <laughs> they probably were living in some hovel in on the border somewhere though no i was living in big ben <laughs> the big ben but big ben, the baby. <laughs> i don't think big then. ben existed though no. did it no so it's interesting you know we've got all this doom and gloom at the moment you know what was um that idiot Hancock going on about this week about uh, uh, you know uh, the doubling of the virus up until October the some 14th I think it was and then we're going to have 200 people dying a day you know so people in 1665 there are probably only about 10 million of them in the whole country and they lost 7,000 people they didn't moan about it mm. yeah you didn't see anything on social media did you <laughs> King Charles II today went went shopping in Harrods <laughs> and by the way 7,165 people died taking the death counts up to 7 trillion million and no one's allowed to drink for the next three years because mm. we're all in lockdown <laughs> they were oh, yeah. back then would they? the medieval the medieval problem yeah mm. absolutely rubbish and like so unhappy ben i can't tell you can't, can't wait for the live stream to start mm-hmm. next week yeah i just yeah. i'm gonna be like i think i, I shocked ben this week as it was i never had a, a time on our live stream where he looked at me and like i can't believe you said that paul you know um well i can tell you i got a lot of positive response from people afterwards saying fair play i agreed everything you said paul so um 
Do you know what the the the, the, uh, the funniest thing for me about this whole week, if we could say it's funny? Obviously, I'd love the live stream, but the reaction to the pubs closing at ten o'clock from every the British public was, I can't believe the government have just endorsed daytime drinking, <laughs> which I found, I found amusing. Well, it's, it's just the hip- hypocrisy and the lack of consistency. So, moving on, eighteen eighty-seven, a guy called Emile Berliner he patented the gramophone. Oh, nice. So, of course, for all of us music lovers, that's a, a highly significant uh, event. Yeah. Um, and then the final one, uh, so I said we haven't got a huge number of facts today. I think it's 12 or something. Um, so the final one today is in 1938, one year before the World War II, uh, Adolf Hitler issued an ultimatum to the Czechs over the Sudetenland. Um, so the Sudetenland was a region of uh, what was then Czechoslovakia, which is in effect was a, 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 an unnatural, you could say, an unnatural uh, confederation of countries and provinces that had never actually been a country before, having been part of a wider empire. Um, so the Slovaks and the Czechs are actually very, very different people. Um, but for a time they were... And of course, our own Monica is a Slovak, um, and they're quite distinct in culture with, with the Czechs. One of the things that arose out of World War One, and we've talked about this before, with the injustice the Germans felt uh, with the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, was that basically the victorious powers carved up Europe um, and, and re, re, you know, so people that had been German uh, for hundreds of years in some cases uh, were suddenly something else. So in, um, in the Czech Republic, or Czech, sorry, Czechoslovakia as there was at the time, there was a region called the Sudetenland which had a particularly high proportion of Germans living in it and basically Hitler said, um, hand it over. Mm. You know, these people should be Germans and the Czechs said, piss off. Mm. Uh, and of course this eventually was the thing that led to the war. So there we are. So that's the end of the first uh, link today. On This Week in History. And welcome back to On This Week in History. We've just been having a little chat amongst ourselves about mm-hmm. all the things we don't like about the government and uh, lockdown. But it's very interesting. I went to um, major clients this week um, and uh, it was very interesting because the chief executive of this very large client uh, very much would be in the same camp as me and Ben and Drew. Uh, but the operations director was uh, very, very, very supportive of Boris and the Tories. So it was, uh, just goes to show, you know, that, um, you know, d- opinion is divided. And of course, mm. there was a um, poll this week that said that 29% of Britons actually wanted to learn the lockdown. Um, Whoa. Of course, my cynical view to that is that it's probably all the people on benefits. Mm. Um, and people like <laughs> me have to go and pay for them all. But there we are. Um, I don't care whether I'm allowed to say that because it's true. Um, so moving on. Um, 1066, one of the most famous battles of all time. And if it hadn't been for, we talked about this in in um, in in, in, the, in the series that Callum and I did for Aspen Wake Media, the birth of the English nation, um, the Battle of Stamford Bridge would have been something that had gone down in English folklore, I think, as probably uh, one of the defining battles that made England great and one of the great uh, one of the great achievements. And actually, if you look at the two battles in 1066, Stamford Bridge and then Hastings, um, the opponent uh, at Stamford Bridge was actually considered at the time, and quite rightly so, to be a much more formidable opponent. So I think uh, Harold Godwinson would have thought that when he fought uh, Harold Hardrada, who was considered to be the greatest warrior in Europe, um, he was renowned to be something like six foot seven tall, um, amazingly skilled with a sword, uh, was king of Norway and various other countries, 
um, had a fairly tenuous claim to be the King of England, but nonetheless he came over. And of course he was allied with um, Harold's brother, Tostig, who, who reneged, jumped ship and fought against his own brother. Um, and it was a, an amazingly skillful... Stamford Bridge is not in Chelsea, as some people might think. It's actually uh, nearly in York. Mm-hmm. So, of course, um, uh, the, the, those of you will know, the, the main um, royal royalty, royalty even uh, in Wessex was very much centred around Winchester, Hampshire sort of area. Somerset was, of course, um, incredibly important as well. So, effectively, most of the people that fought against uh, Harold Hardrada had to march all the way from the West Country and the south coast up to Yorkshire. Wow. And mm. um, if you read about the battle, it's an amazingly skillful uh, piece of um, military strategy by, by Harold. Uh, and effectively, um, we absolutely kick, uh, kick the Norwegians' arse and Hardrada's killed. Um, and of course, um, that should have led to immortality for Harold, but unfortunately it didn't. Something that makes me very sad to this day. So there we are. 1952, KFC opened its very first franchise of all places in Salt Lake City. Mm. Wouldn't think that, would you? Do we know where Salt Lake City is, boys? Somewhere in America. Yeah. One day (laughs) I'll ask you that and you'll surprise me and you'll go, yeah, it's so-and-so. In Kentucky? Salt Lake City's in Utah. Do you know anything about Utah? Nope. It's a Mormon state. Oh, okay. Mormon. Mm. No drinking. Ah. Dry state. Mm. Hmm. I won't go there then. Yeah, so, no, no, I'm, I'm, I look forward to the day where I say something and you two are going to come back and go, actually, the molecular structure of titanium <laughs> is two squared pi by covex X or something. You know? well, I was going to say, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be all right in Utah. Mm-hmm. Where's that? The ginger beer and galaxy. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're lightweight. Um, 1938, this is after, uh, obviously, the, um, the uh, ultimatum to the Czechs by Hitler over the Sudetenland. We have the very famous um, Neville Chamberlain flying to Munich. Mm. Uh, what did he say? Peace in our time and all that. Remember? Came back with his rope. Came off the plane, waving his piece of paper, talking like this. <laughs> I spoke to Mark Mr. Hitler. This is my impression of Neville Chamberlain. I spoke to Mr. Hitler. And we had the most cordial conversation. And he waved his piece of paper and he said, and Mr. Hitler, no, he, he, he thought that meant that the war wasn't going to happen. Mm, um, yeah. And of course, old Winnie, he said, you fricking idiot, Chamberlain. Um, there was a lot of um, previous between the Chamberlains and the Churchills. So Neville came from a very famous family. His father was Austin Chamberlain, I think. Um, I think um, I think his father was the Chancellor of the Exchequer in Lloyd George's or Asquith's government. Um, and of course, uh, Winston Churchill's father was Lord Randolph Churchill, who um, ultimately his career ended in disgrace. Uh, but 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 partly because he had syphilis, which obviously affected his brain, and also um, because he he chose to fight a battle he couldn't win, which his son went on uh, to win for him later on, which is one of the great things of all time. Uh, one of my great impersonations, where Winston Churchill stands up in his maiden speech and he says. My father, Lord Randolph Churchill, stood here 40 years ago making the case for prudence and whatever. And he says, um, I pick up this tattered flag I found lying here. Wise words stand the test of time. And those were wise words. Mm. I just love that. I just, <laughs> I can do the whole thing. So. <laughs> just, isn't that just marvellous? I just love clever people that can talk on this week in history with paul waite 
And this is Mr. Paul Waite regaling you with facts Ooh. of all types and sh- types and sizes, sizes, shapes and sizes about <laughs> the past. And, and today, I, I, I thought there wasn't going to be a lot to talk about, but I've just been waffling on. <laughs> and anyway, a uh, rather sad thing to report in 1941, the very first gas uh, murder experiments at Auschwitz. Oh, dear. Uh, probably um, the single greatest atrocity in history, debate and discuss. Um, uh, and, and, and actually, I, I, I find it very hard to forgive and forget, but uh, we're not supposed to be political, so I just park that up and say that. Um, in 1896, so I got this out of sync, don't know how I managed that. Uh, the, the very, oh, sorry, <laughs> I couldn't read my own writing there. Mm. Uh, in 1896, Victoria became the longest reigning monarch in English history, mm. British history, uh, previously mm. held by George the Third, I think had been the longest-serving monarch up to that point. So I think she became the queen in 1837. She reigned for 64 years to 1901. 64 years, wow. 64 years, and obviously at that point, uh, she was 59 years, which beat the previous record. Mm. So, and of course, one of the things that's amazing about Victoria is she ended up, uh, because of her, her children married across Europe, and pretty much every single monarch in uh, Europe is related to to the English royal family mm. because of her. Um, 1908, um, Bulgaria declared independence from the Ottoman Empire. Um, I've told this story again. I like to pick um, facts with places that mean something to me. So um, some of you will remember I actually had the most amazing trip um, quite early on in Aspen Waite's career when I knew very little about European stuff. But very fortunately, I had a guy who was a TV celebrity, MEP, that very much liked me, and he got me this wonderful due diligence assignment in Bulgaria for a laundry <laughs> laundry group uh, purchase by a, by a group. And, and uh, I just had the best time. I was drunk nearly the whole time I was in <laughs> Bulgaria. And it was, it was the time that they reached the semifinals of the World Cup, Ben. And the Bulgarians were just so lovely to me. And all I can remember is having cheese on everything. They're like cheese on their <laughs> chips. Cheese on the chips and drinking... Vodka, uh, whiskey out of coffee cups all yeah. through i was just so drunk all the time it was just absolutely staggering but i would sorry about that listeners um moving on uh, 1937 one of my favorite books of all time an amazing film uh, the hobbit was published by hey. jrr tolkien um and of course the hobbit and uh, lord of the rings is actually all about um uh world war one really and all about the different powers so each of the characters is is, is symbolizing um an actual oh, right. race so the so like um the elves i think are welsh people and the mm. and sauron is a german for instance you know mm. so, so yeah so you see i, I didn't realize that i, I, I bring these things the rings, i bring these things to life for you drew mm. 1949 the people's republic of china was formed uh this effectively meant that mao zedong uh triumphed in the internal civil war against Chiang kai-shek uh Chiang kai-shek was one of my heroes and in fact when i was only 10 years old at wemden school i wrote a whole um, paper all about um, Chiang Kai-shek, etc. And of course, those of you who who know these things, uh, the the, um, the 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 government of Chiang Kai-shek, which obviously deposed uh, by Mao Zedong, went uh, went on to form Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So the Taiwanese um, Formosa, the, the the island was called before Chiang Kai-shek went there. So effectively, all of the um, Republican, well, I don't I don't quite remember what, exactly what the, the party was, but Chiang Kai-shek's people all went to Taiwan, which is why Taiwan today is independent from China and is ah. a very much a market economy uh, place. And finally, uh, very quickly, 2017, um, uh, the scientists discovered the first ever brainless animal. 
Isn't that amazing? Uh, that sleeps, and it's a it's called a jellyfish casso, cassiopeia. Um, so this is this is actually a, so it's got this this jellyfish has no brain, but it actually sleeps. So isn't that amazing? So that hope is, you enjoy, sorry, so go on, Ben. I was just gonna say, yeah, that is. That's I've got incredible. a few people that work for me coming to that category. I think. <laughs> Aspen Weight Radio Podcasts: Educate, Entertain, Enjoy.